You're listening to the King's Place podcast. kingsplace.co.uk Hello and welcome to the King's Place podcast, a series of podcasts looking at the music, comedy, spoken word, poetry and art you can find at this London venue. On this January 2011 retrospect, we hear from vocal group The Box Sets and The Swingle Singers. Hungarian pianist Dinesh Varon tells us about his love of Liszt and Tasmin Little attempts to cover the whole musical history of the violin. So first to Tasmin and she kindly invited us round her house. We asked her first if she had a busy 2011 planned. Yeah, I've got um, some fabulous things coming up, some marvellous challenges, um, huge trip to Australia and New Zealand um, in May and June. But before that, of course, this festival at King's Place, which is going to be a real highlight of my season. And um, I'm very much looking forward to playing at King's Place because I've actually never played there before. I'm also looking forward to bringing my friends to King's Place for a whole variety of, of works and a fabulous chamber music concert to finish it. It's just a little bit more unusual, isn't it? Which it seems to be the way King's Place works, where for whatever reason you get in touch, get in touch with each other, and then they say to you, "Well, what would you like to do?" It's lovely, actually. It's very nice to have the possibility to think in terms of a full three-day event instead of a one-off concert, because that's very much the nature of what I do. I planned the programme, The Violin Journeys, around the concept, which I actually began with my Naked Violin project, which was where I put um, for free download on my website three very different pieces that sort of span quite a a large chronology. Um, The first concert that I'll be doing at King's Place on the Thursday night is with my lovely pianist friend John Lenahan and this is our Partners in Time programme with a tiny little difference at the end because I couldn't resist putting in a piece uh, a piece of violin piano music which John and I wrote ourselves which is based on themes from Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake but apart from that it's the Partners in Time programme And this is a chronological look at how the various composers, ranging from Bach to Tchaikovsky, how this relationship developed over the course of literally nearly two centuries. And so um, there's a fantastic sonata by Bach. There's an incredibly happy, passionate, brimming with joy sonata by Grieg. There's a short piece of Tchaikovsky. There's some Mozart. So there's all sorts in there. And, and what I think is fascinating about the programme is to see the way that the, the piano starts out being the dominant partner. And then gradually the violinist gets their own shoulder pads and starts becoming a real part of the action until eventually really takes over as the more dominant solo instrument. So that's our first programme. lovely things about this week on the actual Saturday there's a lot of workshops isn't there? Yes the Saturday is going to be a great day I'm really hoping that the place is going to be alive with people of all ages obviously it's very specifically geared towards young people we've got workshops for young people I'm going to do a set of master classes with um, some budding young violinists and then we're going to put the whole lot together after lunch um, for a short afternoon family concert and that's where we'll all 
all play what we've been doing throughout the morning and I'm really looking forward to that. In addition, I've also invited Juliet Barker, who is a violin maker, and she'll be coming um, to make a violin uh, in the foyer, in that marvellous foyer at King's Place. Um, so people will have an opportunity to chat to her and look at what she's doing and find out a little bit more about how instruments are made, which I think is a fascinating subject. I, I went to see her workshop about a year ago, and you know, even though I play the violin and have done for so many years, I knew so little about the instrument that I played. So it was incredible incredibly fascinating for me. Was there a piece of music that kind of made the violin sort of come alive to you? I mean, the, the, the one the one that seems to be very popular is the Four Seasons, but maybe, maybe that was that, maybe it's something different. I grew up with quite a wide variety of influences in, in terms of music in the household where I lived. And um, my parents were just as interested in pop music of the day as, as they were in classical music, but they loved classical music and had, you know, really quite a broad spectrum. So I grew up with a lot of English music, some, you know, the great English um, late romantic composers, also some Baroque composers that you don't hear so much today, people like Locatelli, um, and just about everything in between. So um, I don't remember that there was any particular piece that made me think wow I really want to learn the violin but it was just a, a, a gradual feeling as I was growing up that music was a, a fantastic marvellous outlet and just a, a wonderful way of expressing emotion. And with this week it's Bach to Messian sort of going maybe then towards the more the more unusual repertoire is, is that something that you've always em- embraced? I love um, introducing audiences to pieces that I hope and believe that they will enjoy but that they won't necessarily know and um, you you can almost bet your last dollar that at the end of a program when I have played a piece that people don't know but I've introduced it as I always do people will come up and they will say I particularly enjoyed the whichever piece it was and people do really love to be introduced to something new of course we all like to hear pieces we know and love and particularly in a live situation because it it seems to have even even a greater power then but I, I think that people love to be dazzled and amazed by something different as well and so that's why I've tried in each of the programs to perform pieces that people will enjoy but that they won't necessarily know and there is very much a feeling of a journey in in these three days so I'm really hoping that people will be able to spare the time to come to all three concerts because um, I've thought very carefully about how each um, concert will progress from the one before. So I've already spoken about the Partners in Time programme, but for instance, the following night, on the Friday night, I will take the concept one step further. And I'm playing, again, a chronology of pieces, works that are even more powerful and intense. And so innately, they are longer works. But I think when people have had the experience of the Partners in Time, they will again see this progression, which I think is very exciting. So we're beginning the Friday programme with a wonderful work by Tartini which people will probably know because it's quite famous it's the Devil's Trill Sonata where Tartini the, the Baroque violinist had a dream that the devil came and, um, and played to him and it was absolutely brilliant he woke up and was in a frenzy to write it all down but always said 
that he could never quite reproduce it the way the devil had done it in his dream. And then we're continuing in the first half of the Friday concert with one of the greatest violin sonatas ever, ever composed. This is the Beethoven sonata called the Kreutzer Sonata, which is an absolute symphony for piano and violin. It's an immense piece and it's just amazing. One of the most popular of all of the violin sonatas and quite rightly so. And then in the second half, we continue with, again, one of the most amazing and, and lyrical and romantic of all violin sonatas, that by César Franck. And again, this is a hugely popular piece, wonderful, wonderful work. And then we're going to end the Friday concert with a piece that probably most people won't know, but it's a great showstopper. It's by the Polish composer Szymanowski. And it's a nocturne and a tarantelle. Uh, the nocturne, as you might imagine, is sort of night music, very moody. But the tarantelle is a wild dance. And the story goes that you get bitten by a tarantula spider and the poison sends you mad. And before you die, you do this crazy, crazy dance. But I like the second version of the story, which is that in order to get the poison out of your blood, you do the crazy dance and then you don't die. <laughs> <laughs> And, and a lot of people will have heard a lot of this stuff on, on, you know, on the radio or in restaurants, in bars, anywhere and everywhere. Yes, I've tried to have a real balance to each of the programmes in that each programme, as I suggested before, will have um, works that people may not know but hopefully will really love to hear. And also, of course, some very, very famous works such as the Beethoven and the César Franck Sonata. So hopefully a really good balance and a real feeling of, of progression. We end on the Saturday night with a chamber music concert with some of my favourite musical friends and um, it's a, a concert that I'm so much looking forward to. Again, a mixture of a work that almost everybody will know, the very famous Schubert Trout Quintet, which has got to rate as, you know, again, one of the most popular, but again, rightly so. All these pieces are popular for a very good reason. Uh, one of the most popular pieces of chamber music. And then um, we're going to end with... Um, one of the most extraordinary pieces ever um, created and that is by the French composer Olivier Messiaen. This is his quartet for the end of time which was written when he was in a prisoner of war camp in the Second World War and so it is scored for an unusual combination. It is a piano, a violin, a cello and a clarinet and it's very devotional music. He was a devout Catholic and um, it's magisterial in its reach. It is incredibly powerful music, um, taking in the spirit and the world and the universe and just about everything. So I think it is an incredible way to end this three-day festival. And um, I hope that people will, will stay the duration and will come also to that final concert.
Next, on this January retrospect, looking back at some of the great events that have happened this month, we talked to Hungarian pianist Dinesh Varon, who played at King's Place as part of a week celebrating the musical bicentenary of Liszt. His recitals were entitled The Travelling Virtuoso, so first I asked him how important to him Liszt was as a composer. Yes, very important, Liszt, and in many, from many aspects. First of all, I mean, he has written so gorgeous piano pieces like the Hamo Sonata, which are absolutely unique in the piano repertoire. And what I find also extremely important in his work, that somehow it doesn't stand by itself, but it's a really very, very important step to the future of the music. So actually, I think he's also from the musical literature point of view, an extremely important figure who, who really opened up fantastic new way, new ways uh, for composing and new aspects in music history. one of the first composers that you you learned at the piano no no it, it came of course later on since it's quite difficult <laughs> but the first things i played by by him were the the early uh, etudes early studies the opus one and then later the consolation but i would say that from the age of 15 i quite regularly play his pieces and in the last 10 years he became really one of the most important uh, composers for me And was Liszt as a performer and a composer really important for pushing the piano as, as an instrument? Yeah, I mean, he, he found a lot of new ways to express many things in the instrument. So it's, it's, he was an extremely rich personality. Uh, the piano became a new instrument through Liszt in a way. And then through his major big works, by the end, he got to this very enigmatic, very fragmented uh, late works, which are really basically opened up to the dodecaphony to the, i think all all bartok and 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 all the french composers and 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 still until today he, he really uh, opened he he was he was unavoidable for the later composers and in the piano way, way of piano playing he yeah he gave absolutely absolutely new new ways of playing but it's always coming from inner expression how to express the orchestra on the piano and it's extremely rich music and your recital at king's place is based around the idea of traveling uh, i play a few pieces from italia and then also the villa d'esta uh, fontaines and susan quarter from the third book of Anne de pelerinage so it's it's uh, there are pieces which were influenced by his his journeys his travelings. and actually for me some of pelerinage could be a motto of his own life and his own own personality and music it's always on the way and always developing and always finding new ways and new new aspects in music and in life. So what I think it's also it's very important that he, he was extremely complex person. He had a very complex personality. And was, and was listening music similar to composers like Beethoven, inspired by the landscape and the environment he found himself in? 
Yeah, both. Also landscape things, and but for example, uh, or literature. So I will play one of the Petrarca sonnets, which is is uh, coming from 104 Petrarca sonnet. There is one piece which I play, and Sposalizio is big paintings by Raphael. And then if you see the fountains of Villa d'Este, that's also this beautiful garden where he he stayed and where he saw, saw these beautiful fountains. But he makes a, a very deep religious piece, so it turns into a completely from the it's quite often with list that you see the from the landscape he goes into a much deeper deeper meaning and finally it's very often religious or or, or really so uh, he gives us the big questions in life also in Hamo Sanata, which is in the second half yeah, and which is uh, quite related to the faust story and finally um do you enjoy playing in london oh very much very much i play fortunately quite often in london because i i have a lot of musician, colleagues and friends. I play very regularly there. That was pianist Dinesh Faron on the King's Place podcast. The final highlight was from the brilliant Acapella Festival and from a sold-out event, beatboxer Bellatrix joined us on the phone to tell us more about it. My first question was, how did you get into beatboxing in the first place? I guess it was seven years ago. I had a family friend who was a really good beatboxer. He's like totally unknown. Just thought it was really cool and got into it, <laughs> I suppose. And, and how, how difficult is it to make the, the various beatboxing sounds? I don't know, well, it's, it's kind of, I like, I think it's the same as any other musical practice, so, like, anyone can do it, but it takes different people with different amounts of time to get so good. For me, I was into music anyway, like, I played the trumpet in school, and the rhythmic side of things, for example, or things that are sort of more across the board music were easier for me to actually learn. And you've got an award for beatboxing? Um, yeah, well, I'm actually um, a female world champion, which is an amazing award to have, and I'm really sort of happy about that. Um, I, I don't know, for me, there are so few female beatboxers out there that being world champions kind of... It wasn't a totally, like, out-of-reach position to have, but just because, you know, there are so few female beatboxers and I just thought, well, I can't be that hard to be the best. And with the box sets, what is the group all about? The box sets are obviously we're an acapella group, but um, well, I've been told that we're really different from every other acapella group people have sort of heard. I, I'm not actually massively um, hot on my acapella scene because I come from the beatbox scene. Uh, and also from the beatbox side of things, people often say to me, oh, this is really different from all the other beatbox groups out there. So the sound we're making is unusual for five girls to make. Uh, and what are your musical influences as a group? We're all into such different sorts of music. I mean, our sat strange, actually, because it's kind of got 
loads of really different types of music in there. And we all studied jazz at Guildhall, so we're all jazz musicians, so there's a lot of that in there. They've all studied classical music as well, um, a couple of them more than others. There have been some points in there where, you know, there's been influence of some classical music in there. And But I guess just, like, it's quite, it's quite a UK sound, I think, in terms of sort of urban music. It's quite a UK sound, which I think we really want to go for because we are a UK group. Totally original material, apart from one one cover. That, that's um, something. Well, Toby from the single thing said said this. No one, no acapella groups really did original. So yeah, that is something new. <laughs> and finally, what what are the plans? What are your plans for the rest of the year? Well, we've just we've just done our first studio recording actually, and our first music video. Which they went up not yesterday, but the day before. Within 24 hours, they'd had 25,000 views. So we were a bit sort of freaked out and excited by that. And so that's just up now. I guess it depends what happens with that, really. It seems to be doing really well. But we're, um, we're doing a whole load of festivals over the summer. And yeah, that's kind of it, really, at the moment. There's, there's lots of stuff in the pipeline. Everyone seems to kind of, everyone seems to kind of think that we're going to go somewhere. <laughs> Bellatrix from the group The Box Sets, they're talking about the Acapella Festival. The festival itself has been put together by the legendary 60s vocal group The Swingle Singers. We caught up with them in their current incarnation at King's Place to learn more about their history and the thriving world of vocal music in the UK. We even talked TV choir sensation Glee. I'm Kevin Fox. Um, I sing baritone and vocal percussion. Uh, I've been in the group for just about three years. My name is Tobias Hook. I've been in the group for uh, over nine years now, um, and I'm the low bass and also do some vocal percussion. Uh, the Swingle Singers are an eight-person a cappella group, four men and four women, based here in London. Originally started in Paris in the 1960s by a fellow named Ward Swingle. It started off um, almost by accident, just eight session singers getting together and reading through some Bach piano music. And long story short, they took off. They won five Grammy Awards in the 60s uh, and have continued ever since. The group now, of course, are all new and much younger, but... Uh, we still pay tribute to the original group by doing some of the original uh, swung Bach pieces and also adding in a lot of new and contemporary works as well. We 
one of the original ideas was to use the voice as an instrument. So all the music that they sung originally was written for instruments, so for organ, for, you know, organ fugues, uh, inventions, uh, written for piano, orchestra, um, and so naturally you had to come up with some sort of lyric, so they, they invented a, um, a very specific scat, and I think a lot of people will recognize immediately, maybe they don't recognize the name of the single singers, but instantly when you hear the sound of the group, you can, you can recognize it, and it actually, I think it influenced a lot of vocal music, especially in the 60s, um, you know, if you listen to film music by Michel Legrand or, or Bert Bacharach uh, in the 60s, it's, you know, you can hear the single singers. I mean, there's a lot of different strands to a cappella. A cappella really doesn't define any style, and the, the human voice is an a cappella is just you, you know, so immediate, and it, it's such a great, uh, great thing. We have barbershop, you have gospel, you have you know close harmony, you have of course classical uh, choral singing, and um, Glee is sort of has picked up on that trend and just made it um, into something contemporary again, which is great. I mean, it's always been we knew it's always been cool, but um, you know Glee. Uh, has really put it uh, in, into the mainstream back again, so that's great. And it was fantastic for us to be involved in the show as well and, and provide some of the incidental music for it. In most episodes, it's not us. Um, we were we were sort of heavily heard, I suppose, a lot in the pilot episode, and uh, and then I think in another episode as well they used a little piece of one of our recordings. But um, but certainly the other the sound and the style that they were going for was I think very clearly based on the swingle sound and in fact I think they were even instructed to try and sing it in a swingle way when they when they had the session singers in to do to do the music for it so programs like Glee have really helped to to just give some ideas and to inspire groups to say hey look you know the visual aspect of, of the, this thing is very important as well and so I think more and more that's becoming a, a part of certainly the contemporary sort of choral scene is this idea that yes it's you know you want to make beautiful music but also you want to you want people to leave with a smile on their face you know and to say that hey that was a great show not only was that great music but that was a great show you know of it, as as great as going to the cinema or and I think it's great to see that idea catch catch on with other choirs as well with just general standard standard choirs who realize oh wow you know it can this can be we, just by adding a little bit of choreography maybe a, you know a little bit of color you can actually make this into a show into a real spectacle So that was January, but before we finish, a quick word from folk artist Chris Wood, who will be performing in February. There's a, there's a song on it called Caesar, which begins, it's, it's all the little things are what we find that matter, now the circus has left town. You know, did you see how all the clowns were looking fatter as they tore the big top down? That's kind of at the heart of the album, it's... This idea that the whole that it's basically a game, you know, all the sort of financial stuff and the political stuff and the power. It's, I mean, I've got a brother who's a very, very big businessman, you know, and 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 they call themselves players. They call themselves players. It's all the little things that we find the matter. Now the circus has left town. Did you see how all the clowns were looking fatter As they tore the big top down It's such a quiet revolution But as the callers jammed the phones 
You were listening to Chris Wood talk on the King's Place podcast. Commonplace, co-curated by Chris Wood and Corinne Paulwalt with Alan Beerman, runs from Thursday the 9th to Saturday the 12th of February. Please visit our website, kingsplace.co.uk, for more information about our events and to book tickets. Tickets for all events are available from as little as £9.50 online. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the King's Place podcast. kingsplace.co.uk.